0: Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are now at the fifth piece of God's invincible armor. This is the second piece of armor that we are to take. And as I promised you last week, I think I promised you last week, that we'll finish this this week. Okay. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6.17, "Then take the helmet of salvation. It is something that we need in battle and it is one of the things that really, if we don't have this, then we won't do well in battle. That's right. So many people preach on the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit. Not very many focus on the helmet of salvation. And like I said, I will deal with every single one of those. And each time I deal with something, you think, "Oh, that's the most important one," and that's the right thought to have, because you shouldn't run out into battle without any of this stuff on. Amen. You never find a soldier out on the ba- unless he's stupid. All right, out on the battlefield without a helmet. Amen. You know, because your head is a prime target for the enemy. If he can cut your head off, then everything else is not a problem. See, he can injure you everywhere else, but once your head goes, that's the end of it. Are you all with me? Amen? And so, this is why we need to understand, in spiritual warfare, it's the same thing. If the enemy can attack your head, he's taken you down. You know, even in the business world, I know there are some of you that are from that world. If your mind isn't right, you don't do the work well. If your mind is all over the place, you know. You, if, if you're a boss and you have somebody that's working for you that they can't keep their mind on things, you know what you do? You either try to fix it or you fire them. Because you can't have people running around not knowing what they're doing. You need efficiency and they don't just need to know what they're doing, they need to do it efficiently. Can I get an amen on that? And it's a funny thing that we demand that in the workplace, but when we come to spiritual warfare, oh yeah, well, whatever. And the sad thing is that this part of our life really dictates all the rest of our life. Amen. Anyway, it's the truth. Okay. (laughs) All right, so let's move on. So we are talking about something that is of great importance. And that's the reason why the Apostle John said that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember, this is the helmet of salvation. Salvation is the helmet. Do you understand? You need to know that you're saved. If you don't know, going into battle, that you're saved, one of the worst things the enemy can do is try to convince you, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you did something to make God mad, and you went from being saved to not saved anymore. And so if anything happens to you now, who knows where you'll end up. If you go into battle with those sort of things, and understand battles are all kinds of things. All the doubts, all the insecurities, all the things that are in your life that stop you from keeping your focus. All of those things are the battles that are going on. Remember, and this is the helmet of salvation, means it's in your mind. Are you with me? So if you don't know in your mind that you are saved, if you don't know in your mind that you are a child of God, if you don't know in your mind that God has provided for you everything that you have need of, life and godliness, amen, natural and spiritual, then you won't go into a battle well and you won't fare well. The next thing that we looked at was in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul had shown us our position in Christ. So we read those things and especially Ephesians 2.6 which says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Only after that does He go on to say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and all of these things up in the air. The reason that He, first of all, revealed to us in Ephesians 2.6 that we are seated in heavenly places is because that is a higher position than all the rulers in the air. So if we're seated at the right hand of God, well, everything else is under that. So even though these principalities and powers rule over the what we call the, the, um, the first heaven, which is where the birds fly, second heaven is out where the planets are, third heaven is where God is. Okay, so that's the order of the thing. It's only when we know that, that we understand that we are in a position of power. You need to know that in order to fight this battle. If you don't know that, then you become part of the rest of everybody down here. That is just struggling to get by. Alright, I need to share something with you here. Remember that Genesis tells us that God created man after His image. Okay? Now, from that verse and from verses in Psalms, we understand that first there was God, then there was man. Then there was the angels. Did you get all that? Okay? So... The angels were God's creation, but we were God's image and likeness. There's a difference. Now, what happened was because Satan caused mankind to fall, we fell below angels. So that the structure changed where there was God, angels, then man. Jesus Christ came, went to the cross, and gave us the opportunity to be restored back to that place between God and, and angels. Okay? Above angels, below God. Did you get that? Okay? But that's only for those that get saved. That's the reason why we are raised together. Notice again, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what allows us, in Christ, we're back up there. Amen? Okay. So, what happens a lot of times is, because the world is in in a place where they are just at the mercy of everything that goes on. Okay, because they are under angels, because Satan is an angel, a fallen angel, amen? And so because they're under that, then they are at the mercy of anything and everything he does. And they have no power to come against him. Remember again that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and all of these things. Okay, there is a fight going on. And the reason that God came to save us, it wasn't so we get saved and we change religion. It was so that we can change position. So his way of putting us back in control was to send his son, pay a price, so that we can be restored back to a place where we then have angels under our feet. And we can, that's why Jesus said, in my name, do these things. Amen. And that's the reason why John said that the reason Jesus came was so that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's right. yeah. and, the, and what we're meant to do is continue destroying the works of the devil. That's why he said these signs will follow those who believe. That's right. Amen. And again, remember, they're just signs. They're meant to be things that just let you know you're on the right track. Absolutely. <laughs> As I said, i would never quite seen it that way before. I thought that verse said, these are the only things that will follow those that believe. Mm. He wasn't saying that. He said, son, <laughs> no, I'm getting texted now. He said, son, if you slay hands on people, they get healed. You go, Ooh, what happened there? Mm. You eat something, everybody else gets sick. You don't. Mm. Something going on. <laughs> You're believing. Yeah. It's a sign. Stuff is happening. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay, (laughs) so let's get back to this now. All of this deals with your helmet. All of this deals with what is going on in your mind. And you need to understand that if your mind isn't fixed, if you aren't settled in the fact that you are saved, your position has changed. Now you're in a place of authority, you will never release faith from your heart in order to move the mountains that you need out of your life. That's the reason why the writer of Hebrews refers to this salvation as so great a salvation. That's in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. In fact, confidence in battle is a sign and surety of not only our salvation, but also the enemy's destruction. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Confidence in battle is a sign and surety of not only our salvation. See, if we are sure of our salvation, then we are sure of the enemy's defeat. Romans 8.31, God is on our side. Amen. Amen? Do you understand? And so, if we have surety of our salvation, then there is the surety that he is defeated, the devil is defeated. But if we question our salvation, then there's a problem. Because we allow the enemy to come in and start to talk to us. You know, all he can do is speak lies, deception, and doubt into your mind and heart. Remember the very first cause of all of this? The very first time anybody ever questioned God's word was the devil in the Garden of Eden. Remember, he said, has God said? And the woman, bless her heart, was really trying. And said, God said, don't eat this. And I reckon she thought, if you can't eat it, better not touch it either. I have seen people rip what she did to shreds. I look at it and I think, that was good. If if you just stuck to it, it would have been good. But what did the devil do after that? He said, you will not, because she said, we will die. The devil directly contradicted and said, no, you will surely not die. Or surely you will not die. And totally came against what God had said. And of course, what happened is what God said would happen. And when you look in the Hebrew, it actually has two words in there. It says, dying, you will die. Okay, there are two deaths that were going to take place. Because you have to die spiritually before you can die physically. Interesting, isn't it? Because man was never meant to die. That's why we're always obsessed about finding this fountain of eternal life and youth and all that stuff. (laughs) Okay, It's a carryover from Genesis. We still want that because we were never meant to die. Amen. Anyway, never mind. Let's move on here. It's opening up a whole other can. All right. (laughs) William Hendrickson says here, Were it not for the fact that in the midst of hardship and persecution, the assurance of salvation, both present and future, dwells in our heart, we might easily give up the fight. It is exactly this precious treasure that fortifies us with strength to continue the fight. For as to ourselves, we know that what God has begun in us will be carried on to completion. Now this is from Philippians 1.6 where the Apostle Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Understand that whatever God started in you, the day that you got saved and God started to work in you, because He starts immediately. Amen? He will see it through the completion. You won't be left half made. The only reason you may not make it to the other side is if you decide to jump ship. Some people just say, this is too hard, I don't want to do this anymore. And they just bail. Can I just say that's a very bad thing to do because the warders are shark infested. The safest place is in the boat, okay? Stay in the boat. Unless you want to walk on water, that's cool. All right. In his commentary, Arkent Hughes says that the helmet of salvation is a confidence builder. Properly worn and used, it affords remarkable protection. This was especially true on the field of ancient war, where the sky was filled with arrows and javelins and swords and axes were hacking and chopping. The helmet enabled a man to stand where otherwise he would have been long gone. Remember again that the devil has only one major avenue of attack against a believer, and that is through our mind and our thinking. You see, regardless of what goes on around you, how you think about things determines whether you stay in a problem or get out. And that's the reason why he's constantly trying to engage us in mind games. He's constantly trying to get us to think about all the things that don't work. You know, when something goes wrong, the first thing you think of is, God, why? You never turn around and say to the... (laughs) It's almost like this. You have your house broken into. You call the police up and say, why did you let this happen? They'll go, are you nuts? What's wrong with you? We didn't do that. If we knew, we would have stopped it. That's right. We didn't break in. (laughs) And we didn't allow the thief to break in. They broke in. Now we'll go catch him. But you need to address the problem. The problem isn't us. The problem is the one that came to steal. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Can I say this to you? Life and life more abundantly counteracts... Everything the thief does. It counteracts what's being stolen. It counteracts death. It counteracts everything that the enemy would try to do in your life. But you need to know that in order to put that into motion. If you don't know that, then you will allow the enemy to do whatever he wants. And just go, well, that's just how the old ball bounces. huh? That's how the old world turns. I don't know where people come up with this stuff. But anyway, okay? But that's what you do. You surrender to things instead of fighting back. Amen? See, can I ask you a question? I It's a dumb question, but I need to ask this to you so that you remember it, so you don't do this dumb thing. Okay? All right. If everything is God's will, if whatever happens in your life is like, well, you know, if it happened, well, then God wanted it to happen, or God allowed it, or whatever. Why have armor? Why have armor unless there is a fight on and you are meant to do something about things that go wrong? Did you all get that? So don't allow the enemy to come and say, well, whatever has happened, that's God's will. It is not. We are in a fallen world. We need to take this armor up. And one of the biggest problems we have, I said this to you before, is in our mind. Because we think the wrong thoughts, so we don't take the fight to the devil, we allow him to come and do whatever he wants, and then blame it on God. Oh well, God's will be done. No, in order for God's will to be done, you need to do something. Amen. You know, things go wrong at work. I'll show you how stupid this is. Are you ready? Because I don't know why, you come to church and for some reason, all your reasoning goes out the door. And (laughs) then you leave church, you go back to your car and all your reasoning comes back. It's a mystery hidden in God. No, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? If you're at work and something went wrong, would you go, oh, that was just God's will. How long do you think that company will last? Not very long. Because every time something went wrong, they just kind of, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> you shouldn't be in business. <laughs> you shouldn't even leave your house No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> listen, man. When something goes wrong in business, you go look to see what went wrong. You work. You try to work out. Was it a you know person problem? Was it what was it? Did we where did we go wrong? Something went wrong. This shouldn't have happened. Can I get an amen on that? But for some reason, things go wrong in our life, and we just think, well, that's just how it is. I think God is as frustrated as a manager would be with one of his employees, that every time something goes wrong, they, go, they just go, "It's God's will." And they just want to fire that dude because he's too stupid to work. I, I worked in a place where we dealt with a lot of money. I mean, there was a lot of zeros after a number. A lot of zeros. And when things went wrong, they went very wrong. And nobody said, well, it's just God's will. We don't know. We lost a couple of billion. But who cares? You know, some days it's good and Jesus just... No! I mean, they spent days looking for it. Are you hear what I'm saying? We, something goes wrong in our life. We don't spend a minute looking for what went wrong. We just let it go. And at the end of that, I actually prayed and I said... Uh, god because they left me out of it because i'm junior you know i'm not going to know this stuff and i said god i think they need some help i think you need to help they wouldn't let me close the books and i just said you need to show me and he said go on i'll show you he said go up to there i'll show you where the problem is i went up there i'm not kidding I'm, this is this is another story this is truth okay <laughs> okay i went up there and i said to my supervisor he had, we had a good relationship Because he'd do stuff and I'd figure out what he was doing. It was God. You know, God just talks to me about everything. and So I'd say, you did that because this goes, you're the first person that ever noticed. So so I said to him, do you mind if I have a look? Because it was so much money, you know I'm saying? They were just very protective about who was looking at it, who was touching it, nobody touched it, you know? Something was wrong with it. And so, you know, he said, sure, okay, have a look. Within five minutes I found, in fact, it wasn't even five minutes, it was about two minutes I looked at it, and I was looking. And God said, now, look. Don't just scan, look. You know, don't have a boy look, have a girl look. Okay? So, <laughs> hello. And I looked. And I mean, I was just going across the page, all the numbers. And I noticed something. And I said, uh, I'm sorry, I may not understand all of this, but is that right over there? And he, he kind of came over very casually, looked at it. And his eyeballs grew wide. And he said, you found it? And he called all the managers. I mean, there were managers from him up, like about three levels up, man. They all came and said, you found it? He goes, no, he found it. And he was a good guy, you know. And they're all looking at me. Who is he? <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, but the point I want to make is this. When something went wrong, they didn't just let it go. They looked for the problem until they found it. And fixed it. We need to do the same thing. When something goes wrong, don't just leave it be. Go to God, find out what went wrong. Ask him what's wrong, the number of times that I've just gone and said, "God, this shouldn't have happened, what went wrong?" And he will, every single time he has told me, "That's because you're a pastor, no, that's because I listen." That's right. Because I know better. Amen. And I want to teach you to do the same. Please don't just accept things in your life. Question what's going on. If something isn't right, question it. God isn't nervous. God doesn't go, oh, maybe they'll ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Why do you think that? He's big enough to handle all of your questions. And then some. Amen. Amen. You want to know what he knows? Look at about the last four chapters in Job. There are questions he asks that even today we're just discovering some of the things that were said there that they shouldn't have known. It should not have known. And we're only discovering it now. We laughed at it, but now we're going, oh, that was actually right. Okay, so I won't go into that because it's not one of those things today. I need to get through this today. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, we need to understand the first phrase he says is, casting down imaginations. The imaginations that he is referring to are the things in, that go off in your mind when something goes wrong. Okay, you start to imagine all these things. There are imaginations. There are things that you you let your imagination run wild. You know, your kid goes on a trip. They don't text you every two seconds. And you think, maybe the bus went off the road. You know, know, maybe this, maybe that. Your imaginations go wild. Instead of just relaxing and going, you know what, God, I committed them into your hands. You will look after them. Amen. You leave the house. You, You think... Did I lock the door? I can't remember locking the door. You know, the older you get, the less things you remember it tends to seem. And you, you, know, you just can't remember nothing after a while. You, you ask for while, you go, where am I? Oh, I'm at work. No. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But you know, there are times when I do things automatically. Do you do things automatically? You know, I close the door, I lock it without even thinking. It just my body has been trained to do certain things. So it doesn't tell my mind some days that I actually did that. Can you relate to that? Or am I just weird? Okay, alright, okay. Well, your body just does things, alright? And your brain doesn't always keep track of what your body is doing. So after a while, the brain kicks in and goes, Oh, did I do this? Did I turn that off? Is the iron still on? And you know, it starts. And then instead of having a nice relaxing time wherever you're going to, now you're freaking out till you get back home. So you go to the beach, you eat your fish and chips as quickly as you can, try to have a good time and come back home. Just to see if the iron was still on. And you go, oh, thank God the house is still standing. It's not burnt down. Come on. Imaginations. They go nuts. You go crazy. You know who's feeding all of that? The enemy is doing that. You know why you allow that to happen? Because you don't have trust in God to look after things for you when you're not there. I don't know the number of times that things have been taken care of for me. because I, You know the things that you... Need to be concerned about are the things that you didn't actually lock the door and you didn't even realize you didn't lock the door and you left. And you come back home and you think, Oh, somebody broke into my house, the front door is wide open, and you forgot to close it. <laughs> All those other times you worried, you locked everything. This time you didn't even remember. You just wandered off, had a great time, and came back. Nothing was stolen. I can see people going, I did that, I did that. Sorry for pulling so many files, but you know, <laughs> it's one of those days today, okay? I want you to understand the importance of this particular piece of armor. We don't realize it. We don't realize how important it is, how much we need it, and how often we should use it. Amen? So let's conclude this. I've got a few more scriptures to, to bring this to an end. This is the remedy, Casting down imaginations. When you get something going off in your mind, cast it down. Say, no, I will not take that thought. If you worry about something, you usually won't come up with a solution because you're too busy worrying about it. Let me tell you what you do. If ever something happens like that, you know, always keep neighbors' telephone numbers at hand. You can always call somebody that's close by. We've got possibility. You know, that's close by, just call them and say... I don't know if I left the door open. Could you just have a quick look and see if it's, you know, (laughs) if it's wide open or not? Okay. See, I can think about that if I don't freak out. If I freak out, all I'm thinking is get back home, get back home, get back home. You know, it's also those times when somebody has gone past my place and gone, Oh, your door was open. So I pulled it shut. Was that okay? Oh, thank God. God was looking after things. Amen. Let's leave that. I need to move on casting down imaginations don't play with them cast them down amen so this is the remedy for every attack that the devil can bring against your mind and which will defeat him every single time in fact the apostle peter says in 1 peter chapter 1 verse 13 to gird up the loins of your mind because he knows that if you cannot be defeated in your mind then you cannot be defeated in your life either Amen? And we can also understand why the Apostle Paul said in Romans twelve two, And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't act like the rest of the world. Okay? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can only walk in God's perfect will when you renew your mind, and allow God's thoughts to come in. And allow His thoughts to dominate your thinking. And if God created all things, that's the kind of mind and thoughts you want dominating your life. Because there are things that He'll get you to do that you would not think of. I'll just leave you with that. Remember also in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It promised us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you get that? It's not a fearful mind, it's a sound mind. And that's God's gift to us. It's why the Apostle Paul says, and is so bold in fact in saying in 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So let me just pull all that together. Number one, we find that there is a renewing of the mind. We need to take time to renew our mind. That's what you're doing right now. You are renewing your mind. You're renewing the way you think about things. The second thing you understand is as you renew your mind, then you have a mind that is sound. It becomes sound. You might have been a person that was always worrying, but now through the Word of God, through input of the Word, okay, because your brain's like a little computer, okay, it starts to become sound. So you don't worry about things anymore, you start casting your care on the Lord. If something goes wrong, you think, okay God, you're bigger than the problem. I know you weren't the cause of the problem, therefore you are going to help me with this problem. Now what do I need to do? See the sound thinking? Okay, and then you get to the place now where the Apostle Paul says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You come to a place where you can actually start talking to God about what kind of solution you might want. See, before that, you don't even know what to ask. You just go, God, just fix it. You know, like the little baby goes, Daddy, fix! He goes, breaks it again, comes back, Daddy, fix! You know, Daddy will fix it every time, as long as there's glue, then, you know, mostly. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Thank God for glue. Anyway, we do that, but you know what? After a while, the kid goes, hmm, I saw Daddy fixing that. Let me see if I can do it myself. You start getting the mind of Daddy. Amen. He goes, Dad, where's the glue? You think, okay, what broke now? Don't worry about it, Dad. I got it. Isn't that nice? Isn't it good when your kids start to look after themselves a little bit? And then when you break something, they go, it's okay, Dad, I know how to fix that. You go, ooh, this one's getting good. Amen. God wants the same from us. We need to come to the place where we're saying to God, you know, I, I, just, I just reckon, how about we do this? And God will go, Fine. Let's do that. If it's a dumb idea, he won't, okay? (laughs) Then he won't say yes. But that's the thing. He wants you to come to a place where you have watched him working. And you are open to hear from him, even when it comes to a solution. The mind of Christ isn't separate from Christ, it's him inside of you talking to you. And he can talk to the Father. Amen. Anyway. It is this mind in us that allows us to not only defend against the slanderous accusations of the enemy, but to actually attack him with the word of God. And why Ephesians 6.17 lists both the helmet and the sword one after the other. And says, and take the helmet of salvation, that is the word in your mind. Okay, And the sword of the spirit, that's the word in your heart released through your mouth. Get it? So you need the word both places. You need the word in your mind, and you need the word in your heart. The helmet is the word in your mind. The sword is the word in your heart. Hallelujah. One has a surety of salvation. The other one says, where the devil at? (laughs) Okay, you don't even wait for him to attack. You go on the offensive. So the conclusion that we inevitably come to in all of this is that our helmet of salvation is totally based on the truthfulness of God's word and nothing else. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? And all the answers are yes. Amen. In other words, God will never lie, never deceive And never mislead you. What's more, He is waiting to perform it on your behalf. That's brought out in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, then the Lord... This is from the New American Standard. It says, then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Amen? God isn't off somewhere on vacation. Whenever you speak His word, understand that He is watching over it to perform it. In other words... The moment you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you were definitely and absolutely saved. You need to know that. Amen? In fact, as one commentator put it, you will become so convinced of your salvation and all of its benefits, salvation will become so real to you that your mind will be secure in your salvation. And therefore your mind will no longer be able to be penetrated by doubt and unbelief. In fact, even the questionable areas in your mind that the enemy used to attack regularly will no longer be attackable because you are completely surrounded mentally and emotionally by a helmet of salvation. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.